0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 2 of the Shiny Side Up podcast hosted by Mick Hazelton and myself, Chris White. This episode was recorded on 24 September 2019 and on this episode, uh, our Tech Talk segment, we'll be talking about oil surge, the causes and solutions. Oil surge is a problem that a lot of races have had and it's always tough to manage. Now check out our Facebook page for links to videos showing oil surge in action, how it happens and how it manifests itself on track. But, for now, strap in for this episode and subscribe in your podcasting app for future episodes which will include interviews with IP drivers and personalities around the country. Thanks for listening. Mick, uh, oil search. Um, uh. Something that is a constant issue for, has been an issue for you. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about it today. Is It's something that you? I know you've had some issues with recently with your Mazda. Uh, and look, let's face it, anyone who's raced cars for any length of time um, has probably struggled with the oil surge in some form and at some point. Um, oil surge, mate, what
1: is it firstly, for those people who don't know what it is? S- simply, it is when the oil pump doesn't get a positive feed of oil on its suction side to be able to compress and push through the engine. Like, that's a simplest, right? Mm-hmm. And, well, what,
0: and what then happens, mate? What does that mean to the engine?
1: Well, we all, well... <laughs> I don't know, it's like getting out of bed early in the morning and all your bones crack. <laughs> you know, you're clunking, the engine's in pain. It doesn't work, but, and then we have a failure, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so you know, obviously the first thing that's going to fail probably your big and main bearings um, in, a, in a piston engine.
1: Well, not really in a twin cam engine. Like, you can have a... Because the head's the furthest away, so sometimes you can starve and just destroy your camshaft yeah, straight away, okay, especially, yeah. especially if you've got um, special cams you've just developed for the last five to ten years. So you might be speaking from uh, personal experience? No, not personal. personal <laughs> no. But I have, I have had people telling stories over food beverages about wrecking camshafts and just how shattering that is, especially yeah. if they're custom ground ones and there's not that much information on ah. what they've been doing. So to recreate it. And anyway, that's the old, old fellas talking when I've been around. Probably my dad and his friends are talking more. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, yeah, it can definitely wreck an engine. It can, if you're turbocharged, then sometimes, you know, the turbo will pick up, it'll suffer first, and then you've wrecked a few thousand dollars with a turbocharger. You know, you it can, it's just bad. It's bad for everything. Yeah. Nothing's good about it at all. And mm-hmm. it's something that, I suppose, in cars we take for granted because manufacturers do such a good job to make sure that it never happens on road cars, but they never experience G-forces like we do. So we take, I think it's, I don't know if it's complacency, but for lack of a better word, let's call it that. We take a late model twin cam engine to put in our old Datsun 1600 and think that, you know, everything's all done. Let's just do what Nissan do really well now and put it in and then start applying you know, one, let's say, up to 1G on cornering and braking, if not more, and that's 45 degrees of angle and your pickup's not got any sucking air, then you're not pressuring and you'd lose all pressure. So yep. um, the other thing is, as you increase the car's ability to go faster, that's generally involves more grip and a stiffer chassis, you suffer more. Um, oil slushing around different angles, higher G's, you know, everything about oil surge gets worse as you make the car faster.
0: Mm. And of course, um, you know, uh, I guess a little bit of assumed knowledge here mostly wet sump engines we're talking about here. So, um, look, I, you know, I with...
1: yeah, the, 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 we can talk dry sump and then there's, but generally. The practicality of a dry sump means all surge goes away, right? Straight away. Practicality. It doesn't mm. always happen like that, but that's why you do it. <laughs> so, um, yes, I'm talking wet sump, definitely. Dry sump, when you think about it and you really get into what's – and understanding what's happening to a race car engine as you're going around corners, it's hard to believe that we think of wet sump's acceptable at all. Yeah. But we – I know I've pers- you know, persisted with it. A lot of people do with baffling and wings and, and gates in, in sumps to try and help it. But when you think about it, it's all just trying not to spend money. Yeah. But you are risking needing to spend money to fix if it didn't work like I Yeah. Have. Yeah, for sure. So, so
0: you know, a good race motor is going to cost more than a, a dry
1: sump system. Definitely. And, and so... Good dry sump should just about need maintenance through its life, and it should live the life of the whole race car. Yeah, it should.
0: Yes, yeah. yeah, agreed. I, and and having lived with dry sumps in the past, I'd I'd I'd, I'd, I'd um I that. Now, again, when you you talked about you know long corners being being the problem, can you give some yep. examples of corners where you know that, that listeners might be familiar with where you know, oil surge is going to be an issue potentially for a car that has that problem
1: Right, so it's noticeable at Phillip Island coming on the straight, so the long left fast left hand, hander, IP cars are around 150 to 200k an hour through that corner, depending on their class and ability of course of the car, and you're pulling close to a G around there, it's probably it's only half a G sometimes, but you know at certain points of as you go up and down, it's a little bit of elevation change as well. Hmm. So the oil's
0: sitting on the side of the engine. Um, and, and I should point out, it's not just in the sump there, because it'll be... The oil that's pumped at the top of the engine is going to then slosh over to the right-hand side of the engine um, as the, the car maintains that long left-hander onto the yeah. straight. It's not necessarily going to drain as... Drain out of as the head. Yeah. Yet. And, and, and uh, I'm...
1: And obviously, I will, I've been talking about inline four as well in my head, and I haven't even discussed, and that's north-south, I haven't even discussed front-wheel drive issues, or the biggest issue is the V engines. Mm, yep. As you can imagine, like the whole bank, one whole bank's just full of oil. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, and oil. the valley
0: as well, you know, go you up know, like with oil, yep. potentially.
1: Yep, and then draining is a problem. Like, it doesn't get a chance to drain in time to be able to resupply. So even if you you gate your sump really well and you're baffled it, it hasn't actually drained. So mm-hmm. dry sumps with their vacuum draining ability, definitely far superior on a corner like that. For sure. Uh, yep.
0: If if I get a chance, um, uh, I'll try and put some video up, um, maybe on the uh, podcast Facebook page, to show this, because at that exact corner, I have seen um, in-car footage from a friend of mine who races a Commodore and Victory V8s suffer just ridiculous oil surge, lap after lap, um, uh, like engine-killing oil surge. And you can see it on his... On his gauge as he comes, you know, around the corner, his oil pressure drops off, drops off, drops off as the air starts to enter the system. Uh, it's a really great example
1: um, of, of of where oil surge can happen. Um, okay, I've okay, got okay, video so, of my car, I'm a, like mine. I'm, mine's so bad on right-handers, and this is what's. We'll get into this later when I actually solve it. But even with dry sump, I've got right-hand surge issues. So something's yeah. Something's crazy, but at Wakefield, because you turn right and right at the top of the hill there, so turned four, five, four and then you and come five. to the fast six, that just to, six, to zero. Yeah, yep. as soon as I turn in the six, goes to zero. Engine cuts because of the Motec is safety, yep, safety, and I just roll it through until it gets in. I know if, um, the engine builders are listening to this. They <laughs> just learnt something. But, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I yeah. told them. But, you know, like the bend, the 16 seconds of right-handers, that's what stopped me pretty much at the Nationals. Even yeah. though I had another issue that was starting to crawl in, I called it quits because I was going to zero... Through yeah, about the, the 10 second mark, halfway through. Yeah, even so, a rotary
0: can't survive that sort of punishment, mate.
1: <laughs> well, a rotary will need it for cooling as well. So, even, yeah. you know, so because water only runs on the outside of the rotary. So, the inside, the eccentric shaft and all the inside bearings, they're running hot as, and they need the cooling yeah. effect as well. Mm, sure. So,
0: okay, so you're suffering oil surge. Someone out there suffering oil surge. Um, what are some ways that they can? they can address it, I guess, starting from sort of the easier ways, and you talked about a few of them, baffling in the sump, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, uh, so non-dry sump now, uh,
1: what what things can you do to combat oil surge? Well, gating, gating the sump's the most... But baffling, baffling to me is directing drain and then so it can't slosh up into the bank. You know, yep. I, I, I'm, when I say bank, either being... Uh, you know, inline or V setup doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the baffling in the top can help and that's a baffle plate or something and, you know, that does help. And also I believe it helps with de-aerating the oil as it's been sloshing around as well because yep. it has a surface area to... You might know more about that than me, I'm not sure. Um yeah. And then the gating is when you pretty much direct the oil to a box section where your pickup is, mm-hmm. and then as you go through G-forces, say, of a right-hander, the gates will only swing that direction, which then direct the oil all the way around. And as you straighten it up, it kicks it into the next gate. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter which corner you're going in, it's the gates are swinging to let the oil flow towards your pickup. So Special if the G block.
0: forces if the G forces are forcing the oil towards the pickup, the gate's open. But as soon as the motion of the car changes that oil will slots, force the oil away, the it will yep. shut the gate and hold the oil in place. So that's that's yep. gating and you talked about gasoline. So that's that's kind of yep. your your step one to combating oil surge. Um yep. what else can you do to combat oil uh, surge
1: without going to dry sun? So accumulator. So I've used mm-hmm. accumulators before and they're they're a good Band-Aid. If there was a good Band-Aid, you should be doing all of these, I think. you know. If you, if you can't afford to dry something, you need to baffle, you need to gate, and you need to accumulate. Try so that.
0: explain what an accumulator does. It's not everybody probably knows what it is.
1: So accumulator is pretty much just a bag of air. And then you preset, say, I think Moroso is about 5 or 10 psi in the bag. And then it goes in line as a T-piece before your pressure regulator on any sort of pressured line you've got outside. So generally on the way back from your oil cooler, depending Mm -hmm. on the direction of flow and how you've designed your oil cooling system or how the engine runs, they're not all the same. And then what this does is it, it constantly pressures up against the bag and it almost like it stores all pressure for you. And then mm. if your pump is starting to cavitate or surge or starve, whichever is happening, then that pressure would drop in the line and then that means the pressure difference, that some of the pressure in the accumulator, comes back into the oil system, feeding the regulator and the return with fresh, pressured oil. So you shouldn't get surge. Yeah. Obviously, that's still... Has flaws in it because it can go backwards through the system. It can. Mm-hmm. It's only a limited amount of supply of oil in it. Mm. And if it happens too often, it doesn't really feel quick enough. You know, so there are <coughs> limitations. Excuse me.
0: Yeah. So, so um, uh, the Datsun 1200 that I raced had an accumulator. Um, They're a fiddly thing in practice. Um, you know, you've got to um, you've got to make sure that there's pressure in them when you start the engine and that they're isolated from the engine when you start. Otherwise, when the engine kicks in and starts up and the oil pressure feeds in and you've only got 5 or 10 psi of oil pressure until it feeds into the thing. So, yeah, you've got electric or manual actuators
1: to isolate them from the system, but um, yeah, you're talking uh, about you don't want to, when the engine's struggling to build pressure, you don't want to have to try and fill the accumulator too. So that's, you're isolated. Yeah, That's right.
0: So it's generally shutting them off before you stop the engine. Uh, and obviously, once you've started the engine, remembering to turn them on, because if you don't open them up to the system, once the engine's
1: running, of course, then, you, um, uh, then you're Ace not getting a, any, any benefit at all. I used to release um, mine just before starting to give a fresh yes. oil straight through the engine.
0: Yes, and, and then, and then, but then the way then to, um, to build up pressure again is just to crack the valve a tiny little bit once the engine's running. So it's yeah. not to starve the engine of oil while it's charging, but to feed very carefully and very slowly the oil into the, into the accumulator until yeah. it's full and then, and then you, then you then your apples. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. did the same thing and, yeah. and that's, that is a good way to pre-oil your engine. Um, and then of course you've got some maintenance with them, making sure that you clean them out when you, uh, when you change the oil, and 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 they yeah. do leak sometimes, but yeah, I agree. Great insurance, and um and and short of a dry sump, I think the best insurance you can get to to um to 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 surge, and you can get them quite large too. Um, uh, I guess if you're having real serious oil surge problems, although if you need bigger than sort of a quart, um, you have probably got problems. A quart.
1: A quart. Well, they're all American, not many of us know what quart are. Come on, man. A leaf. Uh, a liter. a liter. Close yeah. enough. Yeah, Close um, enough. You know, if you need more than that, you've probably got more serious underlying issues. So, so
0: okay. Um, well, a lot know, of it
1: is ride height related. So, I'll just touch back on some mm-hmm. of my wet sump issues, is because I, because of my engineering around the car and knowledge, I can't stand running above the ride height that I'm allowed to run. Mm-hmm. So, with the low engine and and especially with the tree because they're round, you know, means that, you know, to put the gearbox and the engine on the ground means you haven't got any sump for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's... um I by means- oil volume to get lower centre of gravity, and I'm not scared to admit it, this has been the... That was the start of my oil problems. Right. So when I had enough volume in the sump that the surge issues were com- were masked by there being enough oil available for the pump to right. still pick up. So that's been started my issue. So you know, some could say lift the car back up, build a bigger sump, but I just can't do that. I need to find out yeah. what's going on with it. <laughs> well, or,
0: or dry sump. I mean, because cause generally speaking, when, you know, if you've got the resources, I guess, and, 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 and the time to, to build it... Yep. Yeah, the way to get your engine lower is to dry sump it and, and cut yeah. the pan. Uh, yeah. So so maybe that's it, which brings me to dry well, sump Well, I'm
1: hybrid. Then. I'm hybrid. So you well, know, there is a, there then, is a middle. Because,
0: yeah, so explain then your hybrid system and, and how that works.
1: So I'm on a single stage scavenge only. So I'm using Mazda's pressure pump to then pull oil from my dry sump tank. And then feed the engine, and then as it collects into the dry sump, I'm sucking it out with a, as um, a custom pump that Dad made at the moment because I haven't used your three stage that you've lent me yet to try and fix this problem. But at the moment, we don't believe it's the pump's fault. And then um, we scavenge out of the dry sump, or well, the the semi wet sump, I suppose you would call it, mm-hmm. and and then we fill the dry silent tank with it and it's doing that bit well like we it'll it'll go from an empty tank to a full tank within uh, seconds of starting the engine up. so yeah. we so, know, so it's,
0: a, it's a, is it a is it a gear or a load based scavenge pump that you're using
1: we're using gear so it's it's tooth tooth belt driven so mm-hmm. it's um uh, yeah but inside the pump you mean it's still a normal chocolate yeah. or whatever they call it, yeah, so yeah, it's actually out of a, I think a Ford V8, I okay, I said, yeah, because it's much bigger than the Mazda pump. So we're at, we're at around three times the volume on scavenge single port, and Which of so course the, you need to rate to
0: make sure you've got um ongoing right. consistent feed for your yeah, pump. The good and good. Then, yeah, yeah, and then but your average, I mean, what that then means is that you need to create a feed. Uh, you need obviously have, I guess it's a gravity feed then into uh, through a pipe into where your pickup would have been for your Mazda. Yes,
1: I uh, think pressure that's pump. Where the problem is. But yes, so I right. think I'm um, too big volume through there. So I'd, I need to go to a smaller so I get more capillary effect because I think g forces are affecting the, the gravity feed. feed to the Mazda pump. That's my right. theory at the moment. Without You can never say it's it until I've solved it, but that's where I'm leaning towards at the moment is the issue because um, I'm scavenging well, it's pressuring very well, and then through right-handers, yep, and that's the direction that I lose my natural gravity feed is through right-handers. It's just frustrating that it's always been right-handers, so I've got that little in my head that something else is going on. but. But still, it's, it's. I think I think that's uh, where it's at. And if it is solved, I think it's a very very efficient and cost effective way of having the benefits of a dry sump, and then still utilizing the the OEM benefits of the factory pump. Because mm. if the factory pump's good enough, you've got to ask yourself why. If I'm not starving under yeah. high RPM and and full load when I've got oil available to the pump, why would you engineer something that possibly might fail where Mazda have done such a great job to make sure it's, you know, works all day, every day in their road cars Yeah, yeah,
0: and I guess you're referring to the potential of a dry sump pump braking, which we know can happen, uh, or fall yes. off you know, if it gets flipped off for some reason Anything and of that of course if
1: we... engineered can have an issue, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I mean, you know I guess it's the race car, so you know, yeah. we're, we're pushing things to the limit, aren't we and and um. But yeah okay, so it's an interesting solution um so moving then to a i guess a proper fully um fully engineered dry sump system yep. um explain then how that differs from your system
1: so well the straight away you you ditch the the standard pump sometimes you will need to. Change the porting and the pickup and how it goes it depends on the engine on how you get around this. Pump yeah, so just, the kit. just for
0: example, for example, in a in a Mazda like with have sump something the three two three, you you need to keep the housing in the engine otherwise you're going to have engine oil pissing out the front. So um, you just remove the gears
1: and um, uh, block off the port. Down into the sump. So, so that's what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. So basically, you turn your your input and output into an output only, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So of the pump, and you've removed the the, the turning mm. mechanical pieces inside the pump. So then it's almost like a junction box for oil, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's all it's doing. Yeah. So uh, then you would use. So this is another engineering thing. You have to figure out the oil requirements of your engine, and then what size pump you want, um, how many ports you're going to need, so it's how many scavenge locations you're going to need. So for different engines, some will need a scavenge direct off the head because it could pull off there, but some engines drain really well. I'm guessing most people just copy what's been done by others (laughs) because, you know, there's been lots lots of development on a lot of good engines, so they would just copy all of that, and I would too. If I was building a Honda, I'd go look at what the fast Hondas are doing or, you know, whatever. So uh, before i do my own engineering, I'd go and evaluate what everyone else is doing first and then apply it to my engineering.
0: Yeah, so worth, worth noting there that for some motors, certainly popular engines with race applications, you can buy dry some kits off the shelf Yeah. Uh, for some, like an LS or a K-Series Honda. You're not going to have any issues multiple um, manufacturers out there building everything you need to dry sump an LS or a K-series or yeah you know, multiple other engines, Duratech. So, um, you know... You still you need
1: build to be able check how that, like, if you're running, maybe you've ported for some oil squirters or something. So, you know, you need yeah, to yeah. still apply your engine's engineering to it. But mm-hmm. the point being is if there is something already engineered out there... If you're going to spend the money, you might as well make sure you're getting something that you know is going to work really well. For sure, yeah. Be consistent. Costs a lot of things off. The other things is drag. Like you'd, yep. you, if you over pump them, apart from needing to slow the pump down, you know, you can you're just creating drag that you, mm-hmm. you didn't necessarily need. And on something like an LS, maybe you're not going to notice it that much. But a Honda or a rotary, you know, where you're the, the rate of acceleration through the rev range is very critical to the engine's performance mm. and how the car performs on the track is <clears throat> greatly affected by a pump. And there's some people will say that's why they don't dry sump. Yeah. I and mean, yeah. they they baffle and, and gate and accumulate and do everything they can to not need a dry sump pump slowing it down. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a bit ridiculous, but some people will say that. Mm. There's still a pump so, in there, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And so, so, again, getting back to the difference then, I guess, between the external plumbing in a dry sump system and, and so the system you described, which is really just a pipe into a scavenge pump and then back into your tank and then a gravity feed into your OEM pump, which essentially replaces the pickup from your sump. A dry sump pump is a bit more complex, isn't it?
1: Well, it's it's, it's the same, but more pipes, really. Yes. So... I've, so... I've still got the same amount of... So I've got my feed from my dry sump tank that that is the input into my factory Mazda pump. But in a dry sump, that'll just be going through the pressure port. In effect, you still have to feed the engine from that port. So you've got lots of lines, lots of fail points, lots of real estate you need to, Mm. you know, try and figure out how to get all the, the pipes and everything around and get to all your areas... So, so in a,
0: in, a, in a four stage scavenge system, then you're going to have three, uh, four stage pumps yeah, but with four three stage, stage scavenges. You're, scavenge. you're going to have three pipes coming from different parts of the engine. At least two probably from the bottom of your pan, one at the front, one at the back, and then one probably from further up in the head. If it's a if it's an yep. inline engine, it'll be in the in, probably
1: in the in the rocker cover somewhere. Um, uh, oh, and bottom then, of the head. Yep. Bottom yeah, of the yeah somewhere, somewhere there. Yep.
0: Uh and yeah. um yeah and then... exactly
1: and and they're all dash sort of dash ten size they're big mm-hmm. big hoses lots of them in and, the way. and then so they
0: go back to the pump and then there'll be a, a, a pipe from the pump back to your dry sump tank wherever it is well if it'll it's be off the, or it's... Or it's... oh most yep. pumps yeah so then, and you've then got... so th- there's four tubes just dedicated to scavenging and then you've got your pressure side. Uh, plus, if you're running an oil cooler, and if you're running a dry sump, you're almost
1: certainly running an oil cooler too. So,
0: it yeah, it adds up, doesn't it?
1: It adds up in... Well, the modern... I was about to say weight, because you know, generally we've been used to using the big stainless sheathed lines for a long time. But that modern nylon stuff, it's brilliant. So light. <laughs> yep. So flexible. And it doesn't... Still- Tear costly, everything. Though. Like, yeah, and, and well, I haven't got like, the money yet. I'm still talking about real estate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And,
0: and um, it, yeah, it, does, it takes up space.
1: Uh, it is less plate than it used to be. But, um, yeah, and then it a it. It doesn't eat everything apart. So the yeah. stainless steel mesh, anything it touches from the vibration, it just eats it. It wears it. It destroys it. Mm-hmm. So you have to have it isolated, wrapped up. Mm-hmm. They get hot. They're, if you're working in the engine bay, you can't be anywhere near them from the 100 to 200 degrees oil, depending on how hot you run the engine. And then there's the cost, as you are saying, of all the fittings. And the hose, which is expensive. Yeah, it all adds up. It all adds up. Look, but it's part of the dry-sump system, right? It's all expensive. (laughs) It's a race car. Yeah, (laughs) so,
0: so, and just getting to to cost. So, I mean, unfortunately, I'm keenly aware of this, having just built a dry-sump system into my car and, and basically using almost all new parts. So, yeah. you know, a tank's going to set you back anywhere from... Assuming you can't fabricate it yourself, and, and there'll
1: be people out there who can. I do um, but still uh, lots of uh, aluminium rod and gas, yeah, two bottles yep. of gas and the tea. <laughs> and then also, you know, and that's not
0: just, I think people need to know, it's not just building a cylinder out of alloy. There's going to be baffling inside it that you need to build to ensure that, again, your oil's not sloshing around too much and you're de-aerating
1: it when it comes back. Yeah, tank the so, filtering, so, internal filter in case you drop yep. something in, like a bolt or something in it. So you All need to have some sort of blockage, yeah. Because yep. and
0: and you need to buy the the end bungs to to enable you to plumb the tank. So yeah, that's yep. more cost and and you need a cap and and you know it needs to seal and yeah. There's there's a, a breather that you're going to have to run off the tank, um,
1: yep. which is again fittings and tubes. If someone's uh, do, if someone's upgrading though, they would have a breather. Yeah, to yeah. Come off the rocker cover so. <clears throat> Some of the things are reusable, I suppose, and it is kind of similar to the same theories behind wet something, but Mm. lots more time, money, investment, and I'm still going to say real estate's the biggest problem. Trying to figure out where to put it all.
0: Well, and then it does. It also then becomes an issue for maintaining the car. So, for example, um, you know, I this afternoon I had to pull the starter motor off my car and put it back on. Reason not important, but, um, I've got, unfortunately, um, uh, hoses running in exactly where I needed to put a spanner. Uh, dry sump hoses. Now, yep. these are hoses that wouldn't be there if the car was wet sumped. Um, and it made a job that should have taken me 15 minutes, took me about 45 minutes just to get the nuts on and make sure the starter motor was aligned before I tightened them up and then getting the, 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 the grounding strip strap on and all that stuff. Yeah, it just yep. it just makes working on the car a little tougher, and and so you're going to have those issues. Yeah, that was issues. cold. Imagine. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. That's, and, uh, that's yeah, a lot that's of people right.
1: don't think of that. Mm. Working on a hot car. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so then I guess, um, but the panacea really, if if you've got oil surge issues, engineering quality dry sump system is probably the best way to permanently fix them, um, uh, assuming. Uh, you're prepared to accept that penalty of weight and real estate.
1: If you've invested in building a proper race engine, when I say proper, something that you've tried to develop horsepower to be, you know, as fast as it can be, or even if it's a consistent engine and be torque band, you know, whatever, I'm not talking about just big horsepower numbers. I'm talking building the race engine you want and not just using OEM specifications in the engine. Then... You seriously have to consider how protecting your investment. How you're going to protect it? Yeah, for sure.
0: But by the same token, there are plenty of quick cars out there in IP not running dry sumps.
1: Yep. yep. This oh, we're God. we're talking we're talking hypotheticals here, right? We're talking if you've got problems, and we're not saying dry sumps absolutely necessary if you've got a race car building no. a race engine. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it should be considered. Both pros and cons around it to whether or not you need it. And then if you do need it, then really making sure you're thinking of everything that goes into it. Because, yeah, really, hot, hot pipes in the engine bay. It's not just in the
0: engine bay. If you, if you, you yeah, if like a lot of people, you're running them, running a dry sump tank in the boot, which does help. That's another thing we haven't talked about is weight distribution. I mean, it's not a huge amount of weight to be able to put back in the car, but you know, you can at least put your oil tank somewhere where you would prefer the weight, yeah, probably over the back left hand wheel for most of us. Um, uh, but then you've got to run more pipe, and often you'll be running that through bulkhead fittings, through the passenger compartment or under the car. Um, and, um, you know,
1: if it's under the car,
0: yeah, yeah, and if it's under the car, it potentially is exposed to damage. And if it's in the car, then it's potentially exposed to, you know, failure points with bulkhead fittings that come loose and leak, you know, which can happen. Um, so, um, yeah, I guess that's, you know, those, those are the issues that people need to weigh up when they're looking at how to combat oil search, huh? Mm hmm, definitely.